All right, welcome back to the second part of Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 27. Um, this part you'll be hearing the end of the Shira Bry story arc with issues 62 and 63 of Marvel's Star Wars. Also, I guess apparently this is still technically an episode brought to you by Rich, Rich Powers! Powers. Okay, and we're back with Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 27. We have just wrapped up covering issues number Star of uh, Marvel Star Wars 60 and 61, and we are getting ready to cruise on into number 62. Jesus Scott, Christ, man. He acts just like it's his goddamn show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give him You've been listening. Thanks for the lead-in, man. Good You've been job. listening to Star Wars Monthly Monday, starring Shag and a couple other guys. It's, you know, it's our show, <laughs> goddammit. But then you have to come out and show us up and be all pro. You can't hear it on this because of the miracle of editing. But he starts it out, okay, coming in in three, two, one. Where Scott and I just go, hey, 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 we're starting. Hey, you know, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Enough with the riffraff. It's Lex time to talk Star Wars today. <laughs> now my lackey Scott will give you a description of issue number 62. <laughs> my lackey Scott and my minion Chris. Exactly. <laughs> well, oh we'll God, tell us their, tell us their little opinions they've got about Star Wars. <laughs> I'll give you your opinion. Oh my God! All right, are we ready for this? I guess we are. Oh, that's right, it's you. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Ready, willing, and able. Ready, Santa. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to wait for you. <laughs> what the hell was Santa about? What was that shit? You guys I'm never watched Rudolph. the Rudolph cartoon? Rudolph. Ready, Rudolph? Ready, Ready Santa. Santa. <laughs> I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Oh, dude. That's sad. That is sad. You, I guess you can't appreciate Christmas then. Right, Christmas is dead to me because I don't remember that line. I want Christmas to be dead. I'm sorry. I usually, you know, I take it all back. We did that Christmas special last year or the year before, and I raved about how much I like Christmas. But you know, when you have to listen to Christmas music literally for months, and then for like several weeks after Christmas is over with, yeah, my Christmas spirit was about just destroyed this past Christmas. Jesus Christ, man. Time to put a fucking bullet in my brain now. Scott Gardner doesn't like Christmas anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is there any like, magic just, left in the world? Over Christmas this year. Yeah, it went. It was just way too, way too long. Anyway. I won't right, take we, it personally we, that you spent Christmas with me either, you bastard. I won't take that personally at all. Oh, dang. It just got a couple degrees colder in here. Yeah. Did. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Marvel Comics Star Wars number 62, the August 1982 issue. Cover by Walt Simonson. And I am not kidding when I say that I consider this one of the greatest comic book covers ever not greatest star wars comic book covers issue but greatest comic books in general one of the statements i love this cover it's uh luke 
screaming, looking right at us with this sinister look, screaming at the at the reader, and it says, Luke Skywalker, pariah. And it's everything, everything on this cover is shaded red. Luke's face is all red. The Star Wars logo is red. R2 and 3PO up in the corner are red. It is really, really cool. Love this cover. Um, and, uh, and as we point out, we all learned that, uh, you know, about the word pariah from this issue. I thought that was, really, <laughs> I love this cover. Um, original cover price was a measly six dimes. Uh, pretty much the same team we've had all along. Uh, David Michelini, uh, script and plot, Walter Simonson, layouts and plot, uh, Tom Palmer, finished arts, uh, Joe Rosen letters, Tom Palmer. Oh, Tom Palmer did the colors on this. Yeah. So, so that's different. Jim Sally Krupp is the editor. That's actually that's different, different too, isn't too. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the note for uh, Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter, the hut. Although hut is misspelled, it's still funny. I get a kick out of that. Unless they were trying to say he was some sort of shed or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually thinking of the pizza. But anyway. Jim Two Sheds Shooter. <laughs> Story is entitled Pariah. So continuing directly after the stunning revelation at the end of last issue that he has apparently killed his wingman and love interest, Shira Bry, Luke Skywalker recaps the chain of events that led to this tragedy for both us and Princess Leia. Luke insists that he only shot at Shira's tie because the Force told him to, identifying her as an enemy combatant. Leia sympathizes, but also informs Luke that she cannot openly support him for fear of appearing biased and possibly creating a schism within the Alliance. Luke understands, and shortly we see him storm hostily out of the briefing room, uh, play-acting that Leia has busted him and stripped him of his rank. The ruse works, and Luke suddenly finds himself an outcast among his own people. Things even turn violent when Luke gets into a fistfight with fellow rebel Milo Four-Star after the loudmouth accuses Luke of having killed Shira uh, because she wasn't friendly enough for him. Later in his quarters, Luke has a hissy fit and kicks a box out of his way as he ruminates and he spills the contents of the box all over the I'm floor. I'm sick of being a 50-pound weakling. <laughs> <laughs> Hero of the beach! <laughs> and one of the items that spills out of the box is the medal that he received after he destroyed the Death Star, bringing it all full circle for us. Luke struggles briefly with a crisis of faith, but ultimately decides that something is fishy here and he's going to get to the bottom of it. However, he finds his options for space travel limited since he no longer holds a military rank and can't act, uh, get access to a starfighter. So thankfully, Lando Calrissian, who has been ordered not to allow Luke to take the Falcon, does the old wink-wink, nudge-nudge, I'm going to go get my spare cape from the laundry routine, and leaves the ship unattended for Luke to commandeer, uh, which he tries to do, but then is stopped by an armed rebel guard. Thankfully, Chewbacca comes to Luke's rescue, scaring off the guard and physically carrying his friend up the ramp and into the waiting ship. So then they're off. They go back to, how do we agree to pronounce this? Shallyvane, is that right? Anyway, yeah, back to 15 the... Shallyvane arms. Yeah, that's it. Uh, back to that planet, which is, uh, you know, they had uh, visited previously Shira's homeworld. Uh, unfortunately, the proto-Beta Ray Bill people are waiting for our heroes, and they are quickly captured. And uh, 
As he would attempt and fail to do in Return of the Jedi, Luke frees himself from a net with his lightsaber, and he and Chewbacca manage to evade the pissed-off aliens by ducking into a nearby cave hut kind of thing. And there they meet Ginji, an old man of the aliens' race, who relates to them the tale of the city. A tale that is essentially the one that Shira Bri told, but with one big difference. There never were any humans in Chinshasa, I think is how you pronounce it, which is like the capital city she claimed to have grown up in. So something doesn't add up between these two stories. Luke feels his answer may lay in the circle of Kavan, the stone ten looking place where Shira paid her respects to her dead people. So Genji sympathizes and decides to test Luke's worthiness to approach the circle with a trial by ordeal, which essentially turns out to be the old ball under a cup switcheroo trick. So Luke uses a trick of his own, the force, to lift all the cups up at once. And so impressed is Genji by this that he promises no more trouble for Luke from his alien brethren, and he proceeds to call them all out of, uh, out of hiding together. So now they're all friends, and Luke is allowed to approach the circle. There he finds a highly sophisticated transmitter, but can't seem to activate it. Remembering Shira's ritual, Luke uses Chewie's knife, and I don't know about you guys, but I didn't even know that Chewie had a knife. But anyway, the same thing. He's pulling out of that little pouch. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, well, I always wondered what he kept in that, that thing that he wore anyway. You know, the, the bandolier. And, like, uh, yeah, I guess knives. I always so, thought it was like uh, beef, beef jerky or something. Exactly. <laughs> Kitty cats so, or something, yeah. <laughs> He's got a little chihuahua in it. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> so he uses Chewie's knife to bleed himself onto the altar, just as Shira did, and then the group waits and waits and waits, eventually deciding that nothing is going to happen. A disappointed Luke Skywalker and friends turn from the altar and begin to walk away. When suddenly, Luke, Luke turns, horrified expression on his face, and he says, Oh no, not here, not him. We see Luke. And on the final page, full page splash in a blaze of light and color. Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, emerges, hand outstretched, saying, I've come for you. And a great footnote at the bottom of the page says, footnote, we dare you not to buy the next issue. And it's signed by David, Walter, Tom, and Jim. And uh, holy shit, what a cliffhanger. (laughs) This is as spectacular spectacular a shot and a dramatic thing as when Vader first showed up in the Star Wars comics after the initial movie. When we oh, had yeah. that full page of, I can't even remember what number it was, but he was, you know, holding up some guy by the neck on that planet that was all, like, plant life. I, yeah. It was all beautiful flowers, colorful flowers around him, and he was choking the life out of this guy. And this is, like, equally as dramatic and insanely, like, yes! You're right. You're it's incredibly right. powerful. It, this This cliffhanger is still my favorite of the entire Star Wars Marvel run. So this 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 episode uh, episode issue is pulling a lot of superlatives like like best you know cover best cliffhanger 
Yeah. Um, I I don't know that I can say best comic book cover, um, but, but it's definitely the the best Star Wars cover. I'm and just it, saying it's it's one of the best comic yeah. book covers in my opinion. I'm not saying it's the single no, best. No, but I'm saying my, the my word favorite, best and definitely best yeah. and comic book cover in some contexts is you know, best and something is coming up a lot in this right issue. I I just I love this issue. I really do. I I think you know whenever. I, I reflect on Marvel Star Wars comics and, you know, what were the, what were the great issues? What were the great stories? Th- this is what I'm thinking of right here. Cause I mean, it reminds this... me a little of splinter of the mind's eye and it's just sort of a very serious storyline with Luke or, you know, right. especially then it was just like, you know, you could feel his anguish, you know, when, when you were a kid, cause you were like, sure. I, Luke was going to get someone to make out with, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, I identify with Luke. Therefore I was going to get someone to make out with. Now she's dead. We have to figure this. Yes. We have to figure this out. So, well, I mean, I just think it's wild that, that, you know, two of the, of the greatest cliffhangers they're here. They are back to back. I mean, just when you think it can't get more exciting yeah. with, you know, it ends the last issue ends where, where he killed her, and then this one ends with you know Vader. Yeah. Coming now, out what does this... Darth Vader have to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like holy shit. You know, it was just. I mean, that was completely my reaction reading this for the first time as a kid. It was completely just holy shit, Darth Vader. You know, it's ah, it's wild. I love it. Well, I really. Well, love other it. than maybe a couple of the very earliest issues after Empire Strikes Back, the ones that we all agreed were kind of transition issues. Mm-hmm. While they were finding their feet after Empire, I think this is the first time Vader's shown up where he would actually interact with one of the main cast. I mean, maybe maybe I'm forgetting, but that seems to be my recollection. What what about that? What was that one where they were on that the really crappy one on the banker world? Remember, was that before? <laughs> or after? Well, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's kind of the transition issues I'm trying yeah. to ignore. That's like other outside of those early transition issues. I don't think we've seen Vader interact with anybody since. Are those, you ta- since since like you're, issue forty nine or fifty, I don't think we've seen. I'm Vader. sorry, I, I misheard you before. You're you're speaking post Empire, right? Right. Yeah. yeah since, okay. Since like issue forty nine or fifty, when this when when Marvel Star Wars post Empire really kind of established itself. So in a, in a year, basically, you know, because this is issue sixty two. So in, in like a whole year, I don't think we've seen Vader do anything with anybody. He chased after them when they were leaving the Tarkin in the Millennium Falcon, he chased them in his TIE fighter and okay. was, uh, wasn't he like critically injured or something like that? It was, but it was all just, yeah, but it was all just little incidental sort of right, things, right. you know, sp- it was spinning your wheel stuff. This, this ends with just like, <laughs> Luke, here I am. I'm, I've come for you, you know? Right. No, I, following I, what, what Shag's saying, though, if, if I'm interpreting what you're saying right, Shag, is that this is the first time we've seen them actually, like, face-to-face with Darth Vader yeah. since right. Empire. Yeah, absolutely. So it was like, oh, shit. You know, last time we saw him, Vader said, I'm your dad. You know, and it's like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? I just, you know, totally was, you know, so excited. So. Yeah. What a great issue. You know, I was thinking about the cover. I wonder, because Tom, pa- Tom Palmer, we saw, did the cover colors in this one, which, by the way, as I noticed that, I go through, the colors really are different and more dynamic in this issue. It's interesting what they did with the shading and stuff. But yeah. I wonder if Tom played a role in the cover color. I wonder if it was always intended to be all red or someone made that decision later. I don't know, but it's so effective being all yes. red. 
Yeah, it I is. Always, I always got the feeling that it was almost like it had the feeling. And now that I look at it, I don't think this is the case at all. But I always had the feeling that it was like part of a larger picture that had been blown up. You know, there, mm. it would be like Luke with like his hands out with a lightsaber in it. And they just sort of blew it up on his face and colored it red for some really? reason. That's what I that's how I always it's, it's funny because. It. I always pictured if you look and damn it, these pages aren't numbered, but if you look at the page right after he's knocked Milo on his ass and he's being held on either arm by rebels that are holding him back from like further beating Milo down. Uh Mm -hmm. I always figured that if this cover came from anywhere inside the issue, it was right there where he Mm. was really pissed and trying to go after this guy. And I I imagine like, like Chris said that this is actually a blown up panel, you know, but off to either, you know, if you could see the entire picture off to either side, there's people holding him back. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like like he's just completely off his rocker at this point. He's just, he's definitely, he's moving forward or leaning forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, just a, it's almost it's almost got the feel like he could be in a straight jacket too. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a it's just absolutely awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you really step back from it, it doesn't really look like Luke, um, per se, but you know, I mean, first of all, his name's plastered across the cover, so you know it's him. But uh, it's regardless, it's just an incredibly powerful cover. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Well, I also I have to continue to point out, you know, I mean, how many, you know, dark side things is is he succumbing to here? You know, <laughs> it's feeling, you know, anger and and frustration, and you know, he you know vi- he gets violent. You know, he decks Milo, and you know, just all these things he shouldn't as a as a novice Jedi, you know, right, should not be doing and should not be feeling and should not be, you know succumbing to i love it to, to put it in role-playing game terms it's that you, every time you do something like that you earn what's called a dark side point right once you earn six of them you hand your character sheet to the game master and you're a bad guy now <laughs> one thing is i think they turn on luke a little too easily compared i know i know sheer is hot and all but you know i mean luke did blow up the death star and generally has saved the the rebellion's ass innumerable times and just in the context of this comic and Shira all she she's been on some successful missions and she fought herself out of a bad situation that she put herself into and so you know and everybody's right. ready to be like Luke fuck him man fuck that guy you know right. see, I, I, I'm I, go ahead and finish your thought I'm sorry I guess you know I guess you know, people are fickle. I guess I'd say, you know, people are fickle. And in the public opinion, you can, you know, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. But I just, it just felt like they turned on him. Like, to, even the robots were being just sort of like, oh, oh, okay, whatever, Master Luke, you know. <laughs> you know, every the only people that are like, the only people that are like, hey, no problem, buddy, we're with you, are, are Chewie and Lando. Right. The more scoundrelly. <laughs> ones amongst everybody they're they're the ones who are like don't worry dude we got your back we know that you're not a bad guy and you know what hey maybe she was getting on your nerves a little i'm not gonna you know pass any judgment dude you know lando's had his (laughs) bad experiences with crazy girls in the past if you know what i'm saying i'm not saying but i'm just saying 
Landed through a few off the cloud. Yeah, Chewie's yeah, Chew tossed a few <laughs> off his his apartment in Kazik, you know. Lobot, make this bitch disappear. <laughs> Lobot, give her the tour of the city. Put her in the tower and keep it quiet. <laughs> right, right. Well, here's my take on the on the Luke thing. I've had some actually lengthy discussions about this with some friends about like, if I was in the rebellion and I'd been in the rebellion for a while. I don't think I'd like Luke very much because, you know, prior to A New Hope, you know, the Rebellion had been around for a while. They worked really hard and they planned out this Death Star campaign, right? And they, you know, mm-hmm. these these pilots probably had trained together and stuff. And like, it, literally the last second, like, oh, by the way, we're this new kid's joining us. Really? Okay, whatever. Just hang back, kid. Don't get in my way, all right? You know, we, we know what we're doing. And then the kid walks away with all the glory. Yeah. It's like, oh. Okay, oh, you know well, they were like, oh, the new kid saved the princess? Good, give him a fucking medal, but don't give him an X-Wing. What the fuck? Oh, he says he's a good fighter? Yeah, so what? I tell my girlfriend I have a 10-inch penis, too. They don't, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you guys are forgetting one one very important story element with that, though, is that, you know, save for Wedge and the other dude that I still don't know who the hell it was that flew away at the end of the movie, everybody else was fucking dead. So all the other rebel pilots at this point, they're all newbies. They're, they're newer That's to the true. rebellion than Luke. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we're newer, to the, to, newer to the flight team anyway. Yeah. Well, and they're also like, yeah, it's uh yeah. So yeah, it's good being in the rebellion. We end up winning, but everybody, but Skywalker ends up dead. I don't know. I, <laughs> I want to go on a mission look, with him. <laughs> well, they look at it too, and they say, "Okay, Skywalker, he's got he's got special advantages because he's got these weird mystical powers that they, you know, everyone seems to know he's on the Jedi path." It's a Skywalker so, family trait. Well, right, but I mean, like, I don't know. You, you were you were get, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, in high school and in, in nerds versus um, jocks versus jocks and stuff. I would see Luke as like. The, the the jock where everything seems to turn out okay for him. Oh, no that's matter a good what point. No matter what project no, he tackles. I, I see him more as like okay. the sort of wimpy rich kid, you know, more that he's just sort of like, oh, oh, you know, oh no, that's nothing. I used to bullseye whopper. They're not much bigger than that. It, okay, farm boy, I've only been doing this for three years. What? The, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you know, get him out of here. <laughs> I, I definitely see that before he blew up the Death Star, but after that, he got to hang with all the cool kids. You know, he's, uh-huh. he's you know first name basis with all the generals. He gets promoted to commander. He can't lose everything he touches. Yeah, and is for gold. for and all like, appearances, he's getting ready to get in the princess's pants, and they've all been checking exactly. her. Out. Yeah, she won't even talk to us, man. Oh yeah, she'll come and play pool every once in a while, but you know, she's <laughs> making goo goo eyes at him. Give me a fucking break, man. So, so if, if I was you... a grunt in the rebellion, I think I would fucking hate him. I think that's a good point, though. Actually, I think I think you do actually make a good point. A couple of things I wanted to comment on that you guys brought up was, um, you know, Chris brings up a great point that I actually thought of while I was reading this is that, you know, the 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 way it occurred to me was that I think there should have been a point a point where Luke actually confronted this, you know, because he does say something here. Where is it? Um, Right here, he says, "Oh come on, I fought with you guys, even saved some of your lives." I think there, I think there should be an added line where he says, "I blew up the goddamn Death Star." Yeah, you know, <laughs> I saved all your asses at least once. Yeah. You know, and while uh, he would he have been like, "What the hell would you have done?" You couldn't read or transponder. We had to blow up this thing. You know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the what? Right. What is it, guys? I mean, at least you know, uh, you know, maybe he didn't bring up the point. 
But then the, the, the writer himself does remind us of the Death Star because then Luke, you know, comes across his medal he got. And I think he doesn't he even say I got the Yeah, my medal, the one I got for the Battle of the Death Star. Well, it says Battle of. So it doesn't remind us necessarily that he destroyed it. But come on, if you've seen the movie, yeah. you know that he's the one that right. did it. So, yeah, I think I think there should have been a little bit of resentment, a little more resentment on Luke's part that all of a sudden these people were giving him the cold shoulder after all the stuff that he's done for them. Well, yeah, the, um, I mean, the Death Star, if you think about it, is almost single handedly a Luke Skywalker project because he not only destroyed it, but he brought the plans to, you know, mm. he's he 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 he's was sort of the catalyst of, you know, pr you know, Princess Leia is the one who who really did it. But he was sort of the catalyst that got the plans into the hands of the rebellion and then. So, yeah, you would think he would be kind of at least politically a popular guy or at least somebody so it would be argued about, you know. And, I mean, this is war. People die all the time. All of these people must have, you know, dozens of friends who they've, you know, trained with who've died next to them and stuff. And all of a sudden one, one hot chick gets killed and all of a sudden they're like <laughs> – Screw this Skywalker guy. Yeah, get out of here, dude. We're sick of winning all these battles. I, I, How many hot chicks have we seen in Star Wars? That's what they're that's really true. pissed off about. They, yeah. they, they were just like, our odds went from, you know, 2 in 10,000, and that wasn't even really 2 in 10,000 because of you and Han Solo, motherfucker, to 1 in 10,000. <laughs> There's a cute chick on page three. To zero to ten thousand. Is there? Yeah. Who's the There's cute, cute chick on right. page three, top right hand panel? So. Yeah, it's like, what else do we got? We got oh. her and Mon Mothma. Aunt <laughs> Brew. Well, Aunt Brew's bones. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Mon I mean, Calamari. Now we're not really even sure what sex the Mon Calamari are. So. Uh, if you think about I'll it. Make a fish joke. I will not make a fish joke. I will not. Make a fish joke. <laughs> All right, I'll take you out of that. Uh, you mentioned the metal a minute ago. Um, the part where he kicks it and it's on the ground. I love this line where Luke's looking at the metal after having his little tantrum, and he goes, it's starting to look a little tarnished. Yeah. And it's really deep for, a, like, a superhero, you know, sci-fi kids comic. I mean, that's that's a really deep line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I doubt I picked up on the subtleties when I first read it, but now it's like, wow, that's a – that's really good, especially because it's the last panel on a page. Yeah, because you know you, it ends it, and you got to flip. At least in my version, I got to flip the page to go to the next one. And it's just like, wow, that's really a powerful little moment there. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, now like do you that. guys think on the page after you know where he wins over the nomads and all of a sudden you know the old nomad and all of a sudden all the other nomads sh show themselves? I wish this mm -hmm. had a page on the next page. Doesn't that? Doesn't that lizard? A, it looks like the Joe Kubert school of, you know, join the Joe Kubert school of, except yes. it looks like it's smoking a cigarette. It's like this, it looks like this drunk old lizard sitting up watching them walk away, smoking a cigarette, just like, oh, man. Man, yeah. I am hung over. I see humans everywhere. I'm so wasted, man. Dude. I'm seeing Wookiees. He does look baked, doesn't he? He looks in bad shape, man. But it reminded me of the scene in Empire where you're looking sort of over the shoulder of the frog creature 
Or you mean uh, Jedi? As you look at the temple. Yeah, Jedi. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jedi. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of, and, and I mean, <clears throat> Scott mentioned it in the synopsis, but you've got them in the, in that rope, and God, I know. In the rope net, which whatever you know, getting caught in a rope net. Okay, that's a story. But when you look at it, it just, I mean, just the way it's drawn and stuff, it's just like, oh, my God, you know, all, like, wrapped up in a net with Chewbacca, and, you know, it's not quite the same, like, you know, a whole group of people in the rope net, but it's the same general idea, you know? So, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, that's that's another one of those up there. Chalk it up David Michelini to say, damn. I mean, he Mm -hmm. just was nailing it left and right. Absolutely. By the way, a few pages before that, I didn't get a chance to say it. I really meant to. Um, probably is it page two or page a uh, page three. Who jibs? So yeah. just, you know, had to say it. So, well, something I caught here that uh, you know, I, I I try not to. I really do try very hard not to project too much of what we now know about the rest of the saga. You know, into these. However, I really like it when stuff matches up nicely. Now mm-hmm. that we do have the entire rest of the saga. And one thing I thought was really cool was Milo's accusation after Luke decks him that, you know, his basic basically he, he shows like a prejudice and a distrust that Luke is a force user. I think that mm. syncs up very nicely with, you know, the Jedi being now outcasts, you yeah, know, pariahs. which is yeah. something. I, yeah. Pariah. Yeah. I would I would love to see that played up a little bit more. You know, had they actually known that, you know, that that's my one overall complaint with this Shira Bry saga is as much as I love it, I wish it had played out longer because I would have loved to see this Luke Skywalker pariah storyline go on much longer than it actually does. Yeah, it would have actually eaten up a lot of time between the the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Absolutely I, could I, have. And it would yeah. have explained a lot of the why maybe they couldn't be searching for Han Solo as much. Yeah, and in this, don't too. they? Is it? The, isn't this one somebody has like a line like, "Hey, I think we're getting a pretty good idea where Han Solo is. Is that we're getting some intelligence as to where Han Solo is headed?" And it's I don't like, know, did that come up yet? I think that's coming up, but I don't know if it came it's up. In d- this it's one, definitely it? either this issue or soon. Yeah, I remember yeah. some discussions on that. Yeah, it comes up soon, which again, I always, I still say, what was the mystery, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> I also, I, 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 I don't think I'll ever understand that because it seemed right. to me pretty clear that the at the end of the Empire Strikes Back, they knew that that Boba Fett was headed to Tatooine and that that's where Jabba was right. located. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So I, I never, mean, all all that had to be mentioned was he was wanted by Jabba the Hutt, you know. Luke knows who Jabba the Hutt is. He's from Tatooine. Well, it's, did we did we officially know, other than the deleted scene from A New Hope, where Jabba was? Uh, hmm. I'm sure they didn't know where Jabba was, but I'm sure Luke knew that he was on tat- Tatooine. Well, no, no, I mean us as re- as the viewer. You know, had, had it actually been established that Jabba was on Tatooine, other than that well, one deleted only- scene? The only thing I can think of is that I'm pretty sure that the novelization and probably the radio drama had that scene in there. You know, whether even, that was considered canon or not, I don't even, know. Even then, he could have just come in on his shuttle and been like, I'll go there and talk to Solo myself and went to Tatooine to talk to him. You know, because at that point, you know, Jabba could be a international or interplanetary guy who is just sort of, you know, 
I'm trying to remember going to the tattoo exact because that was a trade point right. or something or where the I'm spice came from. I'm trying to remember the from. exact quote at the end of Empire. And isn't it something like, Princess, don't worry, we'll find Jabba the Hutt and that bounty hunter. And then Luke says, I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. And so I yes. always assume that Oh, they yeah, I think he does. You're right. <laughs> that that's where they were all going. But the only way I can, I can possibly no prize that in the in the comics content of that's not what they all meant was that and, and of course this doesn't play out until jedi itself is that luke had to go to tatooine to build his new lightsaber but i just based on those two lines i always interpreted it as that they knew goddamn well where boba yeah. fett was headed to so i never understood why the comics dicked around for months and months with this hunt for Boba Fett and this hunt for Han Solo. It's like, dude, go to fucking Tatooine. That's where they're going. That's where all that. Yeah, they should have so. done a storyline where they went to Tatooine and there was some sort of thing where Jabba was like, oh, no, I put him on my palace and blah, blah, blah. And then they could have jiggered it back around to have him on Tatooine for the movie yeah. however way they wanted to. I don't know. I mean, we're we're kind of spoiling ahead a little bit, but it just it, it you know that that was one of those unfortunate things that you know as much as I love this era of the, of the Marvel comics, that was one of those few things that I, I could never quite reconcile in my mind was when we get to the hunt for Han Solo storyline. I love it. I really enjoy it, but it just doesn't seem reconcilable. You know, with the hunt with for the Red Han Solo. <laughs> apparently i bought a hook line and sinker and as a kid always wondered i wonder where boba's fett's going <laughs> apparently i didn't think it through very well this has this this one art wise has two things that just totally like on and once again you know there's a, the the page where um after luke's kicked his metal around and he's you know reminiscing about uh yoda and and ben we get a page with a Y-Wing and a bunch of X-Wings that totally mm-hmm. reminds me of matte paintings and production art and stuff from, you know, Star Wars when they were in right. the, the, the first mm-hmm. Rebel base. And then on the very next page, that picture of the Falcon totally looks like it's from Empire to me. It's like a, it's like a combination. It reminds me of the Empire one because it's got the steam shooting out of it, you know, or the yeah. smoke coming out of it. But I, for some reason, I love that, I, and it's totally. It looks like it's from a picture. I love that picture of the Falcon, though. It has such a feeling of solidity and reality to it. You know, it just looks and feels like the Falcon. For some reason, I just love that picture of it. And on the next page of the Falcon taking off, those are pretty nice too. I like the second one on the next page where um, not the one with the huge blast coming out of the back, but the but one where where just kind of flying, flying over the buildings. That to me has always been kind of my favorite angle of the, of the Falcon, just uh-huh. watching it fly above you sort of thing. Right. And maybe it's because Luke is in his tattooing fatigues on that one panel you were talking about, Chris, but it reminds me of the first shot we ever see of the Falcon when they come into the docking bay. Right. That's right. That's actually the shot I was reminded of for that parked Falcon. Yeah, it was 94. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like uh, Chewie's line of snurg at the bottom <laughs> of the page there. <laughs> Another Chewie intimidation moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chewie is just the, the hired muscle. Now, what did you think of uh, Genji? He he was a little too Jar Jar for me. But what did you guys think of him? Way ahead of, yeah, that's Michelini. Way ahead of the, well, you know, 
I, I, I think at this point when they would make characters like this, they, there was almost maybe like they were borrowing some Gollum out of it, you know, or the native. Mm, that's a good point. You know, the native and the pigeony Englishy sort of of character, and they did a little of the Yoda thing where he played a sort of dumb. You know, maybe like he was a little dumb or crazy old guy, but, you know, it ends up he actually knows what's going on and is in control of the situation. So it was a little a little Yoda-like, too, I thought. That panel of Luke using the Force is awesome. The finger? It's, yeah. Now, how does like, that look in your reprint? Looks gorgeous. The, yeah. the finger, the whole circle is white. Yes, and then and then the lines coming out, and I like that the lines continue on the next page where he's levitating the cups. Oh, that's right. I didn't even catch that. You're absolutely right. Yep. Now, now let me ask y'all opinion on that. Um, as far as the game of chance, you know the 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 Gollum guy was using a game of chance to determine whether to trust Luke or not. Like, is that like a cool primitive culture thing to you, or is it just kind of like? A lame plot device to be able to show off. Well, he called it like the trial or... by ordeal too, and I'm like, all right, what's the ordeal gonna be? The ordeal's like, it, it is the anguish you feel like going. I hope it's the right ball, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. What's the ordeal of that? It's the trial by luck, is what it is, you know. That, that's kind of how I felt too. And, I was like, and it turns really? out that, into being the trial by. Do you have a, a special power that can intimidate me? <laughs> you know, and that's and it, it turns out he goes, oh, okay, you can levitate with your things with your mind. You could probably kick some serious ass. All right, you're okay. You know, you got some pretty strong gods there. Well, I just realized something. All right, so the the guy is setting up the game, and he says trial by ordeal, and Luke mm -hmm. says, oh, I get it, all right, old timer. Just who do I have to fight? That. Whether it was intended or not, could be seen as a yeah wonderful callback to Splinter, where he he did have to go through a trial, and the trial well, was, he was had very to fight similar the... situation with a whole yeah. sort of group of primitive um, screwheads. Screwheads, yeah. <laughs> and at least he doesn't pull out his boomstick in this, yeah. <laughs> See, I thought he would have pulled out his boomstick with Shira, but anyway. I think it's I think it's neat that his blood triggers Darth Vader showing up because yes. Darth Vader could set that thing to be like detect only blood that's related to me. So only, I actually had a, a, a different so Princess no Leia might have been that. able to set it off too. Um, which was it was actually a note for next issue, but I'll go ahead and use it for this one. Which was could Vader have uh, obtained Luke's blood from Luke's severed hand? Uh -huh. I mean, would he have actually gone that far, you know, uh -huh. in, in his hunt for Luke Skywalker? Or it could have just been, it could have just been he needed a certain midichlorian count in the blood to, uh -huh. to set it off. <laughs> <laughs> your damn midichlorians. He used a sample of his own blood and said anyone of this ancestry. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we, we, we skipped over probably the most important thing in the book which is that the nomads have switched from primarily pigtails to ponytails, whereas last time we saw them was kind of the flip side. It's like everyone had pigtails and, and, and just a few ponytails. Now everyone seems to have ponytails. I mean, They're fickle. They, fashion changes. And, and, and <laughs> that one's got a rugby helmet on. <laughs> at the bottom of the panel where Luke frees himself with his lightsaber from the net, you look at that dude. He's the one, two, three, four, fifth dude. 
Oh, he's going, Jod, Jod. He does. He has a rugby helmet on. Yeah, he does. He does. Or a Tron helmet. Kind of looks like a Tron helmet. It actually kind of looks like the security guard's helmets in in Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh, you're right. Well, maybe he was like one of the special guys who got hurt as a kid, and you know they always have to wear the helmets in case they fall over or whatever. He's got the glass skull. Um. I by the way, knocking the game of chance. I still actually, it's like I'm. I'm really torn on that one to decide whether it was like sort of ridiculous just because like they wanted to show off the force. But part of me is like, no, you know, a game of chance, that's really cool. It's deep. It's meaningful. It's like, you know, cosmic powers. He, you know, these right. nomads actually believed cosmic powers would help the people. And like, that's kind of cool. So I go back and forth. I really hate and hesitate to point this out, but I, I think it must be pointed out that as much as I really love this storyline and I like this issue a hell of a lot, this part of the story is a bit of a stretch for me now that I'm older. Precisely what the hell did Luke hope to accomplish by going back to Shallyvane, and especially by by reenacting, I think he smelled a rat. It was just like I'm saying, like when I first read that, I smelled a rat with that whole blood. There's some reason that this bloodletting thing is going on, because it's got to be more. I mean, yes, it's intense that you're remembering your parents and all that, but you know, come on, you know, enough to like risk a whole bunch of lives and rebel equipment, and you're standing with the rebels and your future career ever with them just over that. No, something more was going on. And now once, you know, I mean, there's part, I mean, Lucas, he's got that Jedi thing going. So part, you know, it's like being a detective in some ways where, you know, he's, he's thinking, okay, there's something funny about the fact that the force told me that she was evil. And there's something funny about the fact that she came here and, and, and you know let blood on this on this thing so he's you know he's following up on those two on those things that are that are bothering him about it so i thought that i thought that actually kind of worked you know i'm back okay. and i'm back and forth on it it's like i get why he's trying to reenact everything because i mean i think he's just literally grabbing at every straw he can right or maybe the force is guiding him in some way. Well, this but... were you guys. I know Scott. I don't know Scott. Have you ever read the Frank Miller Daredevil series? Or I don't know if you were uh, yeah, a Frank I think Miller so. Daredevil reader, Shag. Mm-hmm. But when Elektra died, there was an episode or an issue. Like I think it was directly right after she died, where he was just in total. Where Matt Murdock was just a total denial that she was dead. He was doing the like you know sort of like it was sort of a play on the in superhero comics. You're never dead, you know. So he was like, no, there's got to be some way she was alive. And he was exploring every avenue to, you know, and coming up with this whole sort of conspiracy theory thing to, like, prove that she was real. And by the end of it, you know, he actually had to dig up her body and look at it and go, oh, yeah, she's really dead. You know, it's it's Luke is doing sort of the crazy obsessive actions of somebody who's in grief, you know. Right. That's that's a really good way to 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 encapsulate that i think you're right i mean he's he's crazier i mean it's the closest thing he's got to having a girlfriend other than some power converters or a womp rat right and (laughs) you know yeah he's grasping he refuses to give it up makes sense now the only thing that got me is like why they stood there so long over the blood 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Shear yeah. didn't stand there for 20 minutes, so why would mm-hmm. Luke think that standing there? Other than other than maybe it was just total defeat, like, I, I've done everything I can, and he just didn't know how else to react. Yeah, I, I would have timed it more like the like the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where we were drip, drip, drip. Okay, that was a, a dumb idea, and started to walk away. It's like, Luke, you know, that's how I would have done it, you know. Yeah. That maybe he gave up on it, like, real soon, and then... Yeah, there was no real reason to have a big long pause there. Man, that coloring on Luke's face when he goes, "What? Oh no, not here! No, not him!" That's just great. Yeah. The the purple shadows on his face and stuff yes. are oh, yeah. just really good. Yeah, I like that. And they do an awesome Vader. God, it's good. Yes. Yeah, the way he's he's just like he's walking out of the sunset yes. or something. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Reaching, you know, with the outstretched hand, it's very like wraith-like or something. It's it's great. Yeah, I love that. Good issue. Great issue. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's a stunner of a of a cliffhanger. I love that they dare you not to buy the next because there's no way in hell I wasn't gonna yep. buy the next issue. <laughs> no way in hell was I not gonna find out what happens next. Well, after several one and done issues. This is this is nowhere near a one and done. I mean, they, yes, it has a cliffhanger, and some other ones have cliffhangers, but I mean, it's not a complete story at all. So right. they, you know, after several one and dones, they, they purposefully said, "Okay, we're going to have a, a two issue, yeah. you know, piece here." Yeah. What it, else we got on this one, fellas? Uh, that's pretty much all I got on Luke Skywalker, Pariah. Uh, the only other I, thing I had there was a. Uh, uh, I was just saying I'm tapped out. I got uh, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> um, a couple of things in the letters column. Um, I like the first letter here asked a whole bunch of questions about, you know, when we were going to see certain characters again. And there was a whole bunch of them that were like, you know, keep watching for some and no, we won't see others. The the big one that I thought was interesting was uh, Boba Fett says so uh, basically we won't be seeing Can't Boba Fett again until the next yeah. movie. Yeah. So he was off the table and uh nice plug here for, uh, one of the Star Wars, you know, the, the Marvel Comics Star Wars paperback novels. Um, and this was the one by uh, Chris Claremont, Carmine Infantino, and Gene Day. I forget what the name of that one is, but I've, I've got them both. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out a way that what? we can cover that stuff, Chris, because those are actually really good. What are you and talking about? Yeah, uh, Shag, are you doing the exact same thing as your brain, like, exploding right now? I had no idea. There's a novel... A, a comic book novel? What are you yeah, talking comic about? Book novel. Yeah, comic book novels. Yeah. It's Explain. I mean, I've, I've, I, uh, I used to own a Return of the Jedi comic book novel, but it was simply just a, a paperback novel of the comic. comic book. Of. Yeah. It's kind of what, what it's like. About? It's kind of what it's like. Um, it, it's they're, they're I'm trying to remember. Are they color? I think they're color. But they're, they're comic book. You know, they're like paperback novel sized comic books. And in this particular case, it was a reprinting of stuff that had previously only been printed in the UK. Oh, and there was there wow. was, two, I think, two different ones. And it was like, oh, shit. Let me, hang on a second. And I'll uh, I'll pull up. the. I can tell you exactly what they were called here. So you just said Claremont, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Claremont uh, wrote. Let me see. It's Marvel Comics Illustrated something something. I think what I want to say here is what 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 Hang on, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Star Wars. All right, there was one that was in 1981. 
Hang on, I'm pulling up the, the things here. Would you call them Star Wars Illustrated what? Marvel Comics, what's it called? Marvel Comics Illustrated version of Star Wars, 1981. But you got to look for the 1981 because there is one by... Del Rey one is the six issue adaptation of the first movie in black and white form. Right. But Marvel published one. It was called, it was under the Marvel Illustrated Books header. And it was Four New Adventures in Full Color. I think that one reprints UK stuff as well. That one was in 1981. The one they're plugging here, the cover of that one, hang on, I'm pulling it up real quick. The cover of that one says Star Wars 2. And I think it says World of Fire. Damn it. Hurry up and pull up the image here. Is this the one with Han shooting Chewie in the back? That's the first one. That's that's number one from 1981. The second one is called Star Wars 2 World of Fire. And it has Luke in his awards jacket from the end of the first movie. He's holding a lightsaber over his head. Leia's in this ugly green outfit with a smoking gun. It's got R2, 3P, and there's one other guy, or one other girl, rather, on the cover of it. I can send you the, the images if you want to see I them. I see them both on Amazon right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we totally need to cover those at some point, because I can't remember what stories are in the first book, but that second one's got some interesting ones, because I think that second book has that story called The Day After the Death Star, where Luke like goes out, on his own or something and he comes across like a crashed tie fighter pilot or something I, it's been so long since i've read him but yeah we need to cover those at some point maybe we could do a special and cover like the annuals that we've skipped so far and cover these two because i mean none of the stuff is like great but it's still worth covering since we've already uh -huh. covered this era uh -huh. you know with, with carmine infantino and all that so it'd be, it'd be interesting just to look at it just to be thorough you know? yeah but uh Let's see. The other thing I wanted to touch on real quick was there is a letter here that just wrapped up by saying just one request. Keep Walt Simonson. And remember, a couple issues ago, they had announced that Simonson would be leaving. Well, now at the bottom of this and you remember at the time, I, I think I said something about, gee, I thought Simonson stuck soon, around yeah. longer. And it does say at the bottom here that uh, or their response rather is uh, Walt's been reconsidering his impending departure from Star Wars himself. So, yeah, he must have because he does actually stick around for at least a few more issues anyway. So I thought that was cool because I, I thought his his uh, tenure on Star Wars was longer than just the couple issues right. that they given us when they announced he was leaving. So but that's uh, that's all I got for number 62. Hey, ladies, you probably heard some of those bad stereotypes about us so-called nerds. Well... All that trash talk wrong. Come on into the captain's quarters, baby. Does the smell of mylar turn you on? What's that? Yeah, baby. All 97 long boxes are full to capacity. Oh, do you feel a little faint? Let me pull out my tricorder and take some readings. But first, let me draw these original Star Trek The Motion Picture curtains. Hey folks, it's Maury Clawhammer here, and I personally guarantee that Two True Freaks is always hot, and it's always topless, okay? And it's available 24 hours a day on the internets. Get your freaks on! 
twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. All right, we're back, and we're going to wind up this, this uh, Shira Bry story arc here with issue number 63, which will be synopsized by Scott Gardner. <laughs> awesome. Me again. You guys just it's can't all about get enough. You, man. It all is about all about you. me. I'm glad you realized this. Well, you okay. Do, you, do, you do the heavy lifting so we can sit back and eat Pop-Tarts <laughs> and drink soda pop. Exactly. Yeah. I am twisting the cap off my Mountain Dew as we speak. <laughs> oh, you suck. I don't have any caffeine. Bastards. All right. So we're looking at uh, Star Wars number 63. This is the September 1983 issue. Plot and script by David Michelini. Walter Simonson this time around does not do any of the art chores on this issue, not even the cover, which is entirely done by Tom Palmer. He also uh, does the pencils and inks inside. Walt Simonson simply credited with plot and storyteller. Uh, Joe Rosen letters, Glennis Wine colors, Jim Salicrup editor, and Jim Shooter Jedi Master. <laughs> this story is entitled the mind spider which i think is a pretty goofy <laughs> title myself <laughs> so, so the issue starts out with uh, luke skywalker shouting chewy run vader's found us as he runs and dives for cover he executes a captain kirk, captain kirk shoulder roll i might add and squeezes off around from his laser blaster which hits the dark lord's center mass and goes straight through him because cue the sad trombone He's just a hologram, kids. Wah, yep. wah, wah, wah. Exactly. I hear exactly. it was the same That's... thing with Beatlemania, too. <laughs> it's an incredible simulation. Yep, Vader has pulled the old, if you're hearing this, you must have figured it all out routine and proceeds to clue us, the readers, in on what the hell's been going on. Shira Bry was, in fact, Vader's most trusted operative, tasked what? with infiltrating the Rebel Alliance and taking out Luke. Or discrediting him and making him a pariah, which is the option that they went with. <laughs> Since Luke is alive and hearing this message, the Sith Lords as assumes that he is now on the outs with his people and has nowhere else to turn. So Vader beckons Luke to come with him as the image fades away. Then the transmitter self-destructs all Mission Impossible style, leaving no evidence behind which Luke might use to clear his name with the Alliance. But he has a backup plan. So on board the ex executor is it executor or ex I guess it would be executor, right? How you I, pronounce that's the name? How that's I how I would yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I, how I, I haven't said it out loud, but that's how I would say it out loud if yeah. I was going to. I think was when I was a kid I think I used to say executor, but I guess it would be executor. Anyway yeah, That's how I say it in my brain. Aboard Vader's Super Star Destroyer. He uh, busts Admiral Guile down to a lieutenant, then orders the uh, course set for the same place Luke and Chewie are bound for, Crake's planet. Now, he busted him down because he lost that, what was that thing called? The Screamer? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. There are a couple issues. Teasel. Yeah. Teasel and Screamer. That was it, yeah. And Vader wasn't too happy about it. And so we cut to said destination, Crake's uh, planet. And uh, where we catch up with our hero sneaking into this giant spidery looking crystal cocoon thing called the Crake Data Vault. And after a little reconnaissance, they figure out a way to get in and access the computer. Luke and Chewie sneak in through the facility's kitchen where Luke convinces an Imperial officer that he's been poisoned. Luke promises the antidote to the guy if the guy will get them into the personnel files. So he does, and then he's quickly rewarded with a clout to the jaw from Chewbacca. Yes. 
And it turns out the guy wasn't really poisoned either. Luke tricked him. He put, what was it, soap flakes in yeah, the guy's soup So the guy's just got to get the Hershey right. squirts, that's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Space Hershey squirts, even there worse. <laughs> so Luke finally, uh, he, he's able to access the computer, and he finally learns the full truth about his would-be girlfriend. Shira was a major in the Imperial Special Forces, born on Empire Capital, raised in the emperor's palace and part of an experiment in adolescent indoctrination. She eventually drew the personal, personal attention of Darth Vader who took her, took her under his wing. And after destroying the city of Chinshasa on Shalivane to provide the false uh, cover story that she fed to Luke a few issues back, tasked her with neutralizing Skywalker. So now Luke knows that the Force didn't steer him wrong when it told him to fire and that she was indeed an enemy threat. Um, but he still doesn't seem quite ready to accept you know, this evidence. However, accessing the personnel files has drawn the attention of a squad of stormtroopers and they arrive blasting, allowing Luke no time to ponder this new uh, information further. He and Chewie fight valiantly across several pages and eventually Luke makes his way clear but is forced to leave the Wookiee behind. Luke returns to the Stash Millennium Falcon and uses the sensors to locate his pal, whom he sees battling for his life against a battalion of stormtroopers. From here, things get pretty weird. Luke employs a long-distance Jedi mind trick to get the station commander to lower the facility's shields, picks up Chewie, then, when the commander realizes what's wrong and puts the shields back up, apparently just rams the place with the Falcon, <laughs> causing the installation to explode yeah. and propel the ship out of the cavern like a rocket. I think it's a little vague, but it is very spectacularly drawn. I think that is what's, what's going on, but it's a little bit weird in the, in the way that it's presented to us. So I, meanwhile... I read, it, I, I, read it, I read it the exact same way. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Vader has arrived in orbit... Uh, aboard the executor and witnesses the destruction of the station from space. And in a scene very reminiscent of the end of the empire strikes back, he orders the Falcon pursued and caught, but it's a little too late. The freighter has jumped to light speed and Vader simply turns and walks silently away, just like he did at the end of empire on board. The Falcon Luke mourns the loss of the data that could have cleared him when Chewie reveals what took him so long getting clear of the data facility. He went back for a recording chip. And Chewie presents Luke with the evidence that he needs to clear himself. And in the epilogue, Darth Vader descends to a med lab deep in the bowels of his Super Star Destroyer to check on, quote-unquote, the patient. The medical droid reports that the patient is alive, barely, and runs down a very long list of traumas and injuries sustained, but sums up with a prognosis of recovery being a long, uncertain process, but certainly possible. Good, says Vader. Because now, more than ever, I have need of dun 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 Shira Bry. Yeah, who else could it be? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> who else would be hanging have... out in the back to take at this point? So you know, I I was expecting Dak. <laughs> Dak. My... And that's it. I just want to say, Pabalabaum. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's, That's a, a big explosion, man. Pabalabaoom. Yeah. Pabalabaoom. Sounds like a sounds like an old rock and roll tune, yeah. doesn't it? 
Who wants to run down their notes first on this bad boy? I don't have a lot of notes on it. I've uh, got a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> I've always got a lot of notes. Yeah, no shit. I like where <laughs> Luke Luke uh, punches a, a a stormtrooper and it says Chud. Because I always Chud. like the word Chud. Where is that? That's where on is... page not numbered. It's on the page where the, the group of stormtroopers attacks him. And that's like on one of my only... the, the these two pages have a lot of my only notes on it and i think i have to find the daredevil issue but i think um he was copying a daredevil comic because a there's two stormtroopers named grotto and turk who are two characters who get beat up all the time in frank miller's daredevil which was out at the same time Mm. was happening at the same time as this and the way this fight is framed and takes place it looks like he might have like been reading like the latest Daredevil and said, "I'm gonna have a little go at Frank Miller," and maybe like copied uh, the because Grotto and Turk were getting beat up like every other issue, and that they were right. like a running gag. You know, he would run across them and and beat the shit out of them. So that you know, this might have been, and well, it definitely was because there was no other reason to name the stormtroopers Grotto and Turk and then have them get the shit beat out of them. So. It could very well be because, I mean, this is very much a superhero battle. I mean, he punches out two different stormtroopers, yeah. and then he uses one as a freaking human shield well, that's at the, one point. Because it's totally right. it's totally like a Frank Miller fight. When he's punching that stormtrooper, the posture that the stormtrooper has as he's getting punched there, that's totally out of a Frank Miller um, comic of, of, of this era. So I think so, it, it's totally... Yeah, totally, dude. That's totally what's going on there. <laughs> uh, the the thing about the what was interesting to me the most about this is you get to see exactly how much influence Tom Palmer has had on the art. You know, oh yeah, because he, you know, I mean, I imagine a good part of this. What what I like about this is he was also like, I'm gonna draw this, but he pretty much draws it in the style of Walt Simonson. There's a few things that you you know that you wouldn't see in a in Walt Simonson draw, but for the most part, it it really goes along well with the last few issues. You know, it he makes it blend in as as well as he as well as he can, and it looks really good. And, mm-hmm. uh, part of me, part of me wondered was Simonson credit as storyteller? If yes. maybe he did like Lay, thumbnails yeah, or breakdowns or something. Or, yeah, rough yeah. page layouts and stuff like that. Like one of the things that seemed a little different, like was just the close up of the fist. <laughs> you know, that was there was there's one where Luke's like, you know, that by all that's holy, let him try, and you just see his fist there. You know, 
And that seemed like maybe something that like Walt Simonson was just like drew a little rough fist in there, but I would have put more background on it or something. Right. And, and my only other note is Vader's little meditation chamber is shrunk or does he have a little is this like the guest bathroom version of it or something <laughs> you know? or maybe this is his bathroom or something you know because it's much smaller it's just it's a compact version and he's on the you know he's on the ritz carlton of imperial star destroyers it's the portable version i yeah. guess yeah <laughs> but uh that's about all it was it was cool to see basically coruscant you know, and and have that referred to that that like tight and and have it you know visually and and sort of reasonably fit in with the prequels too. You know, with so that's that's pretty cool. Vader looks so weird up on that dais, where he's just kind of got his hand outstretched. It's all this yellow, like kind of cream yes. yellow background, and he's just kind of like, mm. it's just. <laughs> doesn't fit it's weird looking yeah i i just don't see darth vader like officiating over a bunch of students like that you know like here's your diploma congratulations because the the next frame it looks like he's basically handing her her diploma you know here you go congratulations or they're going off for some special training special training you 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 wish man (laughs) 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 you're just getting all Sure, Bry eyed. All right, all right. You got anything else? No. Um, I, I, so, the big, um, so the big boys can talk. Um, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> sorry, Dad. The, the, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, I thought it was a, a decent issue, but it's just kind of anticlimactic for this whole story arc, you know? Because the big reveal was was last time, you know, that. Or no, well, yeah, he did find. Did he find out last time that she was? No, he didn't. No. It was in this one. Yeah. So no, okay. It's here. This one. Yeah. So, but even even so, it just seems kind of anticlimactic. You, you know, with all the dramatic stuff that happens in it. Um, well, I think it does because I I can distinctly remember my impression of this reading it for the first time as a kid, which was. Oh shit, it's not really Darth Vader, which I don't know why I would have bought that it was really him. I mean, because what could they do? You know, they're, they're you know, they, well, they I guess they could have, so much, you know, so yeah. Oh, yeah. It oh, probably yeah. was going to be him, you know. I mean, I guess they could have met, they could have had a confrontation because, I mean, they had a confrontation right before Empire that was actually pretty d- dynamic and yeah. dramatic, you know. So I guess they could have met and and had some sort of a confrontation, you know, before Jedi, but it's very unlikely, you know, because Jedi, you know, because Empire had ended on such a cliffhanger and there were so many things that I'm sure that they were told, you can't touch this, you know, so, you know, but still, (laughs) (laughs) but still it was a disappointment that you know, that it's not really Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, I, I swallowed it just like you did. Totally hook, line, and sinker. Yep. Well, I mean, it, I, I think that it, you know, it's it still, I think, 62 still, even knowing now, you know, where it's all headed to, I think 62 is still one of the great cliffhangers, though. Yes. Because that oh, yeah. age was just awesome, you know? Oh, it absolutely is. 
And it, I mean, there's still a payoff. It's just not the payoff we were expecting. Right. Right. So. Well, you know, one thing I'm very impressed with is that, you know, now this is an assumption, but I think it's a safe assumption. I'm assuming that Marvel was under orders not to play with the I am your father right. reveal. You know, I, I feel pretty safe saying that. But this sequence here with the Vader hologram, wow, is it a clever workaround. I mean, he mm -hmm. never says anything about being Luke's father, you know, but there is sort of a, a call. There's a, an overall feeling of a callback to that scene where where Vader basically says, you know, I've engineered this situation to where now you're on the outs with the rebels. You have nowhere else to go, but you can come to me. You know, I'll, well, I'll take you. I, I also thought this could have been recorded before he ha he told Luke that he was his father. Yeah. And even yeah. so, if he made it, he doesn't, you know, Vader wants to keep that just between him and Luke. He doesn't want anybody to, you know, to, well, you know what? The, I mean, you the Emperor knows great, that, but. You bring up a great point that that actually solves one of the, the minor quibbles I had with this story was his plan for Shira was, Shira was to either, you know, her uh, uh, orders were to either kill or discredit Luke. And that was one of the things that bugged me. I was like, wait a minute, Vader doesn't want Luke dead. However, he, you know, before he actually met and fought Luke in Empire, you know, and actually even during that fight, you know, there were parts where it looked like he was willing to do either, where he was willing to either, yeah. you know, turn him if he could or take him out, you know? So I guess mm -hmm. that that actually does kind of fit, especially if he did engineer all this well before they actually met in Empire. So, yeah. And that would make sense. It took our time to infiltrate. Right. You know, and, and, and in theory, I mean, you got to assume it's probably only been a couple months from the, the, the comic world, ex, you know, experience. Right. So it, all, it all fits from a continuity sake. I think so. What have you got, Shag? Well, I thought maybe, you know, we could tag team to some extent because I like you know maybe just kind of go through the issue like start with the cover that, that's fine with me yeah um, I, I wanted to bring up the uh, obviously it's a gorgeous cover and yeah, Tom Palmer awesome. did it by himself I think mm -hmm. he I think he draws Vader's helmet a little more compact than maybe yeah. Simonson did but that's okay it still looks great and the coloring is really sharp yeah very dramatic then the biggest thing that jumps off this page and I think in a conversation you and I had before Scott you brought this up but the all new yeah, uh -huh. across, across the logo. I mean, I'm sure you've got that in your big book of Scott Gardner Star Wars logos, and um, <laughs> it's. I, I think we talked it through once before, but um, I got to think that that's because they're afraid people would see the comic and assume it was just a reprint of Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Yeah, because this is the only issue of this entire series that ever does this that says all new, you know, right in the logo because it's right above the S and the T in Star. And I, I went through the image folder I've got of all these covers, and this is the only one that ever does that. So you know, I think I you're absolutely right. Of, I also thought of it could have been at this point, I think they were also reprinting a lot of the original Star Wars comics, mm -hmm. you know, and it might have been, you know, to differentiate it from there might have been because remember, they, they came out with the version. There were the first three issues in one comic, and then the, and yeah, then the Marvel and movie one. something right. something. And then yeah, they came out yeah. A little while after that, with one with all six in one issue, 
and they were reprinting all those and maybe one of those was on the stands at the same time as this one and they wanted people to know the difference between them maybe right you know i got my uh original star wars ones um a little bit off topic sorry but uh oh, cool. at, a, at a grocery store it was in 1980 and they were reprints and it was in like these little sealed uh, poly bags. bags. Yeah. yeah. And it was like three issues per poly bag. Yeah. You can and, still and... find those on eBay sealed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's how I got well, my first. My first three were four, five, and six in the poly bag. Yep. Exactly the same here. And I'm pretty sure that was 1980. I'm pretty sure is when I got that. But doesn't have anything to do with this issue. Sorry. <laughs> no, not a thing. What do you got next, but Scott? Thanks for that. Though, man. <laughs> my next one's on the on the uh, on the first page um it says here in the in the caption boxes as luke sees vader and, and runs from him it says there are two things that luke skywalker could say in a situation like this the other one is and then luke saying chewy run vader's found us and i'm thinking <laughs> are the writers actually implying that luke might say holy shit or that's uh, well i was trying to think of what swear word are we uh, supposed to assume especially in what year was this 1983 right that this came out what would be the 1983 you know i mean luke could be thinking totally bogus man but he was probably you know like right now like like this day it would be like oh fuck you know yeah exactly no sweet sweet, no it's um what do they call it it's life day life day it'd be sweet life day Guys, come that's not cool. We celebrate a day of peace, a day of harmony. A day of <laughs> that's just oh, that's just mean to a person. Yes, I, I was wondering that too. Is I was like, are we supposed to be swearing in the Star Wars universe here, guys? I, I think he was going to yell frack. I think that's pretty much, I mean, it's, you know, it's got to be something along those lines. He was going to curse. Did I say before that this was the September 1983 issue? Because it's the September 1982 issue. No, I'm the one oh, yeah. that said 1983. Because I'm looking at that. Return would have been out. Right, yeah, that's right. right. I'm looking at that thing you were talking about. I knew it was Marvel Movie something, and I looked it up. It's Marvel Movie Showcase, and the cover dates on that were November and December 1982. So I don't, I don't know if your theory holds up or not, but it's still an interesting theory. But I mean, they were constantly reprinting, you know, Star Wars right, and right. Empire at that point. So yeah, I, I'm sure that they did this for exactly the reason Shag says is that they didn't want people to think that this was something that they might have already read before. Well, my next note is after. <laughs> my next note isn't until after Vader's big reveal. What do you What do you got? Well, my only other thing is, you know, again with the lifelike holograms. I, I mean, in this particular story, I can forgive it because I think it's done to very, very cool and and dramatic effect. But again, with the you know holograms in Star Wars that are so good that they're indistinguishable from reality. And again, I ask, especially I mean, to someone who's force sensitive. Yeah, I mean, do do we 
have we ever seen that on screen in any of the seven movies? I, I just don't remember ever seeing lifelike holograms. I, I thought they were always blue with that like TV fuzz in them, you know, in the in the, yeah, in the scan are. lines. Yeah, yeah I, th I thought so. Well, it's interesting. I, I haven't made it to the part where they're actually going to try to do it yet, but I'm I'm reading that second Han Solo book right now. And they're setting something up in that book where they're going to be using um, holograms to try to trick an Imperial fleet into thinking that they're being attacked by a larger force. That doesn't and show I'm wondering, up on radar of any kind. Well, they, they actually they're working around that part of it, too. But I'm wondering when I get to that part where they actually spring the trap, are they going to tell us that, you know, that they're lifelike holograms? I'll, I'll report back because by next uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday, I should have that book finished. Oh. And I, I can't wait to talk about it. So I'll let you guys these know. These are the these are the A.C. Crispin books, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Really awesome. good. I'm really enjoying it. It's good stuff. Well, my, my issue was at the end of his little holographic spiel, mm -hmm. like, I'm really I'm really torn. Because, like, part of me just can't stand the, um, you know, dastardly bad guy sheer, spilling his whole plan part of right. it. Because Vader's not this verbose normally. Um, you know, he's just, oh, this is why we did absolutely everything. It's just like, ugh. But then, you know, it, I, I can forgive all of it because at the end there where he goes, Luke, I've come for you now. You must come to me. You know, that's like, ooh, that's really cool. I had the same thought that he was being a little bit too Bond villain. But at the mm -hmm. same rate, it does read very much like Vader, I think. I, I can actually hear James Earl Jones delivering these lines. I really can. Whereas a lot of times I'll read Star Wars stuff from this era or earlier, and I can't. As much as I love Splinter of the Mind's Eye, there's some Vader lines in that that don't ring true to me, if you know what I mean. Whereas most yeah. of his speech actually does, so... But yeah, I had the same thought about that as well. And then did you notice after uh, Vader gives his little speech about you know who uh, Shi'ar really is, Luke has absolutely no problems with her ever again. There's no regret. There's no, I can't believe she did this to me. I can't believe I cared about her. It's just about I got to get proof to prove my innocence. You and I had talked about that before, and I, I think we both agreed about that. However, I did notice it, it's not... Um, allowed to really go as long as I, I, I wish that it would. But there was one moment after Luke accesses her tape. Yeah, I know um, the part you And it's about. all done. And he said, you know, the, the thing clicks off and he says, I, I can't believe it. There's got to be more to it than that. And I, I think that was an opportunity right there where the writer could have gone into Luke really being upset learning all this, but unfortunately that's where the stormtroopers bust in. And so we never really do get that moment. I'm very curious if we get it next issue. I, I honestly can't remember. Mm, well, um, we've got the fill-in issue next issue, and then the uh, then, then it oh, goes shit. into Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to want to forget it too, I think. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that it has awesome. inks by uh, Vinnie Coletta, so I'm – I don't know. I'm look. I'm both looking forward to it and dreading it at the same time because I can't remember if that's a good issue or not. I I have forgotten. Well, Joe Brozkowski or however you say his name, uh, drew it. Who's an old hand at Firestorm? So it's like I gotta I gotta give some, 
you know, love for it. But I like his art too. I really do. But I mean, you know, Vinnie Coletta could take any artist, you know, and make them look like crap. So you know, that I'll I'll give you know Brozowski a, a pass on whether I think his art's good or bad in that issue because you won't be able to tell. Oh, you I, know, if it was good. I or forgot bad. to tell you. I just got an email from Vinnie Coletta. He wanted to come on the show. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> He's been, he's been listening to our show. He loves us. Yeah, I'm he sure he us. does. He, he hangs didn't, on. Didn't he he idolizes you and hangs on every word you say, man. You're gonna crush this poor guy. <laughs> I think he's hanging on every word because he's building his lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's recording every word. <laughs> well, I got, I got, I, I'm reading these in trade, and man, I'm flipping ahead to this Vinnie Coletta inking, and yeah, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. But the I, issue after that's phenomenal, so it'll still make for a good episode. I uh, I just have to note as we go into the little break, the little scene with Vader and his little uh, force chamber thing, mm-hmm. that Luke you know balls up his fist and says, you know, if that black-hearted Sith Lord wants to stop me, then by all that's holy, let him try. And I'm okay. This since this is the last issue we're covering for this show, I just have to point out Luke has shown anger, fear, and aggression. He's falling to the dark side, you know, according to all of the things that, you know, we've seen, you know, are all of the things that we've learned, you know, that that Yoda was spouting off about. And I can see now where when Chris and I were writing our own Star Wars stories that went beyond Return of the Jedi, why we naturally assume that Luke would eventually fall to the dark side because this uh-huh. was our Star Wars. Uh-huh. Mm. Watching it happen in this, I mean, he was steadily becoming darker through yeah. these stories. Well, he's 20 years old, you know. He's, right. you know, you would just assume it. You're full of piss and vinegar at that age. Exactly. <laughs> and hormones. You're a walking hormone. <laughs> and he's getting you... blue balled you know by his sister you know that's enough to send anyone <laughs> to the dark side that could totally <laughs> fuck up a guy there's yeah. no kidding with that <laughs> what else you got Shane? <laughs> uh, um, I don't have any more commentary until we get to the spider vault thing that it's like it's a cool science fiction-y kind of concept but it doesn't feel very Star Wars to me no no it doesn't I mean, it looks cool. You get this full-page drawing, and it's white with, like, highlighted blue, crusty kind of stuff. Yeah, it and looks it's... like something from Heavy Metal magazine, like Mobius yeah. drew it or something. Yeah, yeah. It looks cool, but it just doesn't doesn't feel like something the Imperials would use. Yeah. We're going to get something like this in a, in a few more issues. I want to say it's, like, issue, like, 67 or 68, another, like, organic thing used as a base or something like that. And, yeah, those kind of things never quite ring true for me in, in Star Wars. And they actually kind of bug me a little bit in Star Trek, too. I think that's one of those sci-fi concepts that's a little too far out, and you don't really normally find it in mainstream science fiction, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it... I always figured that like a imperial data facility would just look like everything else imperial. You know, that it would look right. like a Death Star control room. Well, or... I didn't get the whole thing. I, I I thought it was just stupid when they're like, and it you know having it look like a giant bug helps scare off people and make it more into whatever. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening that uh, doesn't have this in front of them, if you've read any of the New Jedi Order books. 
that come mm-hmm. later. Um, and you've dealt with some of the or read some of the stories about the Yuzhan Vong. I mean, this oh, is yeah. very this is very much a Yuzhan Vong kind of technology. You know, it's the yeah. it's a grow it's a grown husk that they're inhabiting. You know, so and and on the inside, it, it still looks very imperial. <laughs> yep. So see, what else have we got here? Pliff. Out last time, yeah, we got a we got a two panel uh, appearance by Pliff, and I think it was you that had pointed out, was it last issue, that it may have been the first time that that you know it wasn't called Coruscant, but like the Imperial planet was mentioned, and then this time it's actually shown, although it's you know in a flashback on a data tape, but it's actually called Empire Capital. Which, I think it's when I, th- I think it's when we were having a conversation about this story actually because I don't think they mentioned oh, okay. it in the previous one. Yeah, they um yeah they they absolutely refer to it as uh, the capital and in, until Timothy's on we don't get it as Coruscant. Yeah, it is credited on uh, on Wikipedia though as being the first Coruscant. They just call it an unnamed you know unnamed appearance or whatever, but it, or unnamed mention or some shit like that. But that <laughs> they do credit this issue with that, which I thought was cool. Oh, wait a minute. I I didn't pick up on that. Oh, so this is the first time they've ever shown the Capitol? Yeah, this is the first time they've actually shown it. I think something mentioned, I think something mentioned, um, like last issue or somewhere in this story arc, I think there was a mention of of the Imperial Capitol or the Imperial Planet or something like that, but it was only a mention. There was nothing shown. Mm. I think that was last issue, but shit, I can't remember now. Um. Well, I'm, I'm loving uh, the the Xanadu um, bandana that uh, Sheer Breeze rocking there. <laughs> Definitely a Livy Newton John. Yep, yep. Yeah, At it was first, about I that time it... period. It was about that. Let's get physical. <laughs> let's get physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was actually hearing. You said Xanadu, but that's the song I was actually hearing in my head. Was let's get physical. Mm-hmm. He was. Thinking... I thought I was going to have a, an issue with this whole thing now that we've gotten the prequels but then i got to think it's because it says that she's born on empire capital raised in the palace of the emperor and all this and i was thinking well that doesn't quite follow the timeline now but i guess it it could i mean there's nothing to say that she wasn't born before the old republic actually fell and became the empire so you know she could just simply have been raised you know in the palace yeah yeah post Palpatine taking over and all that, which actually probably makes more sense. Maybe she was a war orphan or some shit. Could work. Or maybe Palpatine just rounded up children. I mean, he was, he could do it. He had the power. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much whatever he wanted. Yeah. It's a good point. So his own version of the Nazi youth brigade (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I do love those pages you were talking about, Chris, where uh, Luke's fighting all Daredevil style against the stormtroopers. I, it, it could be argued that it's not terribly Star Wars-ish, and and we never really saw Luke do anything like this in any of the movies. But it's still pretty dynamic. I, I think it's yeah. Some you great... fight enough stormtroopers, I think you know we just never saw it. I figure you fight enough stormtroopers, you're gonna get into some hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. They, they get there's a little stormtrooper hand to hand combat by the time Jedi happens in the movies, you know. That's, that's true. Harrison that's, Ford, but they still get tossed around a bit. That's right. They punch him, and the helmet flies up in the air, or whatever. And then I've always kind of assumed in um, 
in Star Wars A New Hope when they get the stormtroopers to come up, the scanning crew or whatever, to come up on board yeah. the Falcon, that they just punched him rather than uh, shot him. No, well, you hear, you hear some lasers, but... Yeah. Oh, do some, you really? Yeah, there's Whoops. some punching first, though. It's, okay. It's a total three stooges, like you hear thump, 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 and then you hear... Doo, doo, doo. The, the lasers are probably just fi finishing them off. And I always pictured Chewie was just sort of picking them up and, you know, bouncing them off the walls or, or <laughs> pulling their helmet off and punching them in the face. Well, Luke using the one as a human shield is just... Uh... As much as I love it from an action comic book point of view, it, from a Jedi perspective, that's just like, oh, really? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's a bit much. I, I like don't know. Jedi, when, when you see the Jedis in the prequels, they're pretty ruthless about, you know, I mean, when they have to be. Yoda, that's true. especially when Yoda's going into the, you know, after, you know, they've taken over the Jedi headquarters and, and Yoda goes in to check everything out with Obi Wan, he doesn't mess around and kill him. He's just like a machine. True. I like that fourth panel of uh, of Luke shooting this, you know, shooting back with his Han Solo laser pistol. That's really cool. Varach! Yeah. That's a great <laughs> panel. What else do we got here? Uh, Stop wait, me if I wait. go too far ahead of your notes, Shag. Um, I, was the going to the Jedi, I was going to the Jedi mind trick next. Okay, cool. Well, what, is that where you're going, or you got something? No, I'm, I'm going way past that, so yeah, run with it. Okay. I mean, the Jedi, you mentioned it in your recap there. I mean, just how insanely powerful his Jedi mind track is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's, you know, a good distance away. He just reaches out for someone who he's never even Some seen. Some random person, yeah. Yeah, it tells him to disengage the shield, and she just does it. Like, wow, he, uh, that's pretty damn powerful. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Yeah, something so, uh, just occurred to me that we seem it seems like we've seen a lot of um, female imperial officers. Do we ever see female imperial officers in any of the films? I don't believe we ever do. I remember it being commented on, and I can't remember where I just I saw read one at Dragon Con though that was yeah. hot. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was in the book I'm reading right now. I can't remember, but you know, there, there's the thing that's covered really well in the novels about. Palpatine be being very human centric and really having a thing against alien officers and that's why I guess that Admiral Thrawn was supposedly such a big deal because mm -hmm. despite him being an alien he was still you know elevated to this important position but I remember something about he also had a thing against women too so it seems kind of odd that we're seeing so many Imperial women in these hmm. comics but I don't know that might be just because they all look hot the way that they're drawn right. in these comics. I don't, I don't know. I know some I, of the books have um, some Imperial female officers in high-ranking positions. I mean, you've got Admiral Dalla, who you'll find in some of the later books during the New Republic era, and you've got um, oh, geez, what's her name? Uh, it's like the Ice Queen or Ice Princess is her nickname. Someone, someone out there screams. Palpatine's yeah. fall, too, wouldn't it? That's true. It's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think I think Dalla, in theory, had gotten her post while Palpatine was still around. Oh, okay. But anyway, and if someone's yelling at their iPod right now, you know, with the name right. of that character from the Michael Stackpole <laughs> books, Izard, Izard, I think is her name. Izzard, anyway. okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now, I, I thought that this panel, while very dynamically drawn, the pan, it's the fourth panel on the page where Luke comes to rescue Chewbacca, that looks yep. like Chewie's falling a hell of a long way down. 
Yes. Now, I don't know how sturdy Chewie's legs are, what, but that looks like that would really injure him badly to fall that far. Well, I'm sure in Kashyyyk, when the, you know, when the, when the Wookiees get big enough, the mommy pushes them out of the nest. Yeah. What? You know, exactly. I mean, they got to be tough. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can't live in a tree and not have springy legs. It's that simple. <laughs> and Luke uh, really does ahead. use the Falcon as a battering ram. In this, yeah, which or is like crazy. the shields or whatever, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, he puts all shields forward and just rams the shit out of it. It's like, wow, that. Why didn't we do that with the we Death should, Star? We should do that more often. That worked out really well, right? Uh, <laughs> so I think it's you know all of this kind of again kind of combines to this issue being sort of anticlimactic to the previous three. Which were very Star Wars, very I don't want to say believable, but I mean very believable within, the, within that world, yeah, yeah, right. with, within our boundaries. And then this one's just kind of like, wow, okay. At least it looks awesome, though that whole yes. sequence, because you know we saw something somewhat similar to this a few issues back. It was drawn by Carmine Infantino, where somebody, I think it was Han Solo, I forget, maybe it was Lando, somebody bounced the Falcon off the side of a Star Destroyer and it looked like Captain America's shield. It was all like, <laughs> oh, right. remember that? <laughs> I think that was back at the, um, oh, what, what, the, the, the gaming world, you know, the, the casino world. Yeah. When Han Solo throws his mighty Falcon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, it's hilarious. Um, well, Anything else? Because I've only got one other note, and it's at the very end. So whatever else you got. I like that they made Vader's eyes red. Yeah. And that FX9, apparently, um, when you go up two levels from FX7, you only get two arms instead of, like, a gazillion. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, my my last note is the big uh, reveal at the end of this, that Shira lives. She's dun, alive. Dun, dun, dun. I remember that being a huge deal. I mean, for me personally, because I, I really was crazy for that character. So she, you know, the, the reveal that she wasn't really dead was just awesome. And she looks pretty okay in that tank, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah they put her in a nice teddy and, and tossed her in the back to... She, she looks pretty hot, no actually. No open wounds or anything. Now, well, in the first frame, when she's a silhouette, she looks like somebody threw, like, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farms in there. It looks like some, the outline of a little girl in, like, her farmer's dress or something. You right. Know, a gunny sack. Right. And then you get the close-up, and she's in this, like, clingy teddy. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Shouldn't she have a, a respirator on her face? She should have all kinds of stuff going on, yeah. Yeah. Unless she- maybe that maybe – that- this two pumps going into like her chest and her side, or like going right into her lungs or something. Directly into her lungs. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's a possibility. Although still, I, it's I, like you want to do something to keep her from trying to breathe on her own, because then she'd just suck fluid into her lungs, right? Yeah, it could yeah. be super oxygenated water. Could be, I guess. Like <laughs> You've got that technology. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've I, I know people who've gone in swimming pools full of super oxygenated water, and really, and, yeah, and breathe. You go under and you fill your lungs with water and you breathe water. Seriously, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen it in the movies. I've movie. seen it in the movies and stuff. No, it's but real. It's real. Huh? Yeah, that's cool. 
They said it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> it's really horrible going in, and it's really horrible coming out. Ah. Uh. Yep. <laughs> but well, this this is the kind of ending where you like you literally you you see the fleet flying away, and you can actually hear the you know the big sharp. I totally hear it when I write, you know, the story ended. That's probably the most <laughs> Star Wars-y thing about this comic. <laughs> now, Next Chris, <laughs> yes. Do you have uh, the actual paper issue of this one? Yes, I do. When you get time, look at the bullpen bulletins section here. Uh, there was a story I thought you would appreciate. I think it's the first story talks about... Uh, uh, oh yeah, the uh, not ready about for John Belushi. Players. Yeah, yeah, they were gonna team up and do more work with John Belushi, and uh, it, it's it, it's almost written in a, like a eulogy style, but it was just a, basically a short story from from Jim Shooter about how he'd run into John Belushi, and Belushi was such a fan, and they were talking about doing some collaboration together, and then it drops the bomb that well he's gone and. You know, we'll really miss him and everything. I was like, wow, that actually reads very powerfully, just the way it was written. Mm -hmm. I like that. That was one of the first comics I ever got from Walt Hadley, was uh, that Spider-Man Spider is not ready for... Yeah. yeah. I remember that. I think we sat down and read that together, because I remember having seen that cover advertised all over the place in Marvel Comics back then, but I had never actually read that issue. I think when you got it, we sat down and read it together. It was one of those ones that. with a really ridiculous premise, but it was beautifully drawn. And well, I remember you being really excited about it, but I didn't really know who the not ready for primetime players yeah, I was even a big were. Fan of Saturday Night Live, so yeah. I don't think I was allowed to stay up that late at night, so I didn't really remember who they were. Well, I didn't. I didn't get my copy of that issue till many years later, so I was older by that point and had been watching the show for years. So I just, I loved it. I ate it up. Oh yeah, I love those old, those old Marvel team outs, especially the zanier they are, the better they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one that uh, that stood out to me that's somewhat like that is when uh, the Avengers were on David Letterman. That was a big mm -hmm. deal for me. Yep. It was like I remember that. that. I had uh, I had Roger Stern sign that for me one of the first times. It may have been the first time I ever met him, and he was like, this one? Really? He's like, nobody likes this issue. I was like, I loved it. If you really wanted Zany, you went for the Marvel 2-in-1, which was what? That was a thing. Every Those ones were always goofy. Yeah. Yep. Goofier the better. Yep. Well, the last note I've got on this issue is uh, in the hype box, they hyped up both the uh, – Bob Layton Hercules series that Which I know was a uh, fan favorite of Chris and I. We both loved that series when it came out. And then the uh, the Frank Miller Wolverine miniseries, which, you know, to this day, I don't think I've still finished reading all, all four issues. I think I read the first one and was like, eh, I don't like this. But it was a, made a huge, you know, splash, a huge impression at the time. It was like Marvel's I Dark remember, Knight at the I time. I remember picking that up in, yeah. on the stands and taking it home and reading it, and my brain exploded going, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's what's wrong with you. That's, it's all Frank's fault. No, no. Frank, oh, man. R. Crumb, I was reading R. Crumb comics when I was in short pants. So <laughs> as far as disturbing goes, Frank Miller's never had put anything out to that level. <laughs> but for something I got at the stands at the cigar store, it was still pretty holy shit. 
for <laughs> you know for uh, for a Marvel comic book for sure. What's a wrap up on our thoughts about this arc, gentlemen? Um, I like the arc. I thought the arc ended a bit weak, but not you know horribly disappointingly weak. But um, you know, not to spoil ahead, but there's more to come. There's obviously more to come because they got her in a back to tank. You know, I yep. mean, it's it's you you know, like three issues later, you're not gonna have Vader go. So how's Bry coming? Oh, we didn't tell you she just died. <laughs> we were just coming to tell you, dude. You know. Well, that's the thing. There, there is payoff to that reveal. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but there is there payoff to, to that be. reveal. But the only problem was, was it was a long time coming. You don't. I mean, put, it was such a long time coming. You don't show that gun on the table that, in the first act if somebody isn't going to get shot by it in the third act. You know. Right. Yeah. And she's not wearing the teddy when she comes back. So, I mean, it's just, it <laughs> didn't pay off like I expected yeah, it to. We know what you guys are. You guys were <laughs> expecting some sort of happy ending in the in the massage parlor type. She loved Luke long time. Yeah. Not in the fairy tale, but in the massage parlor. <laughs> Luke, Luke, you're finally a man. I, I thought this arc was great. I thought this arc was great. Um, when I think of Star Wars, you know, Marvel Star Wars comics, and the great moments, I, I always go back to this story. This was, mm-hmm. the, and, and a lot of it's because you know it was probably, I don't know, about twelve months after I'd started reading the comics, so I was kind of in my golden age of of loving the Marvel comics. So um, it, this is it for me. I love it. I mean, everything else is great too, but this is this is the. Uh, wow, did they jump the shark? No, I wouldn't say they jumped the shark because there's good moments later. But this is this is about as no, good. No, no, I was thinking about that too. I was thinking, do I really want to say that I think this is the best that it ever got? And but no, I I don't think it because there's another moment that's coming along, and it has to do with Shira later. Mm. That that I think is actually as good, if not better. So no, I. But this this is definitely one of the high. I would say that there's there's like three storylines in in the marvel run you know the marvel star wars run that i consider to be you know the best of the best and and this is definitely one of those three so cool and uh the other two uh i don't think we've got to yet so more good stuff coming can't wait for that wedge issue can you (laughs) (laughs) it's coming man don't worry (laughs) before before we head out we should say thanks shag for coming and talking for five hours or so about Star Wars with us. <laughs> well, I, I really, really appreciate um, the opportunity to be on the show. I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I, I come back as often as you want or as little as you want. Uh, but thank you. I, I love it. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'm done kissing your ass. <laughs> Don't stop now. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> Y'all do a good show, and I really like it. <laughs> Y'all make with the jokes and stuff. Does it count with an accent, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've told you guys before. I love the show. I absolutely, uh-huh. I love listening to it, and I love being on it. It's fantastic. You guys do a great job, and you're covering some of my favorite stuff out there. Yeah, that's pretty good. That'll work for now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know 
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.